Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome on in. It's another edition of the Morning After podcast. Uh, Scott Gerard, Hans Olsen, and Lloyd Cole, where we try to make sense of what happened over the weekend. And uh, gentlemen, what another crazy weekend. BYU finds a way to get it done, knocking off USC, back-to-back overtime victories. It's one thing to go and play against a really, really bad Tennessee team and win. But then going home, playing USC, and hands USC, that first possession marched right down the field, scored the touchdown. I'm thinking, ooh, it's going to be a long day in Provo. Not so fast. BYU finds a way to get it done. What did you see? Well, some big adjustments, and, you know, I'll start right out of the gates and say sometimes I'm right on the money, sometimes I'm off, and this was one of those evaluations looking at film and expectations with USC, and I was off on this one. You know, I mean, I thought that USC had found some confidence. I thought that they had found a freshman that was dynamic. I thought that they had receivers that were going to be very difficult to defend. And I thought USC was going to put somewhere between 35, 38 points on the board. And I thought BYU was going to have a difficult time scoring because I thought they were going to stick with the run-pass option that we saw probably 80 Maybe 85% uh, is kind of my guess against Tennessee. Um, I don't know how much run-pass option we saw against USC. USC comes out in a cover one. I've, I've done a little bit of review. USC comes out on a cover one, and and BYU goes to a, a more play-called style. They start handing it to Tyson Williams. They... Uh, give the BYU offensive line assignments. BYU's offensive line started dominating up front, and off you go with 30 points offensively. So I was off in my evaluation, and like I said, sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss, and this was a miss for me. Well, people made sure and, and, and uh, let you know that you were off on your, your evaluation on Twitter, I saw. <laughs> because because, because it's, a, it's science, right? <laughs> Yeah, you should try running a BYU post game show at JCW's when people are flooding out of the stadium. It's oh it's crazy. I, over a hundred and twenty five BYU fans called this game on the money. It was and they came in and let me know at JCW's in the post game, and I was like, "Man, you guys are that's that's incredible! Great call. Let's get you a show." Let's let's see. I want to see those stubs uh, from Wendover on on all that gambling that you hit that score right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It was funny. I don't, I don't think and, there was a lot of us that, that, that. I don't think there was a lot of us that that thought BYU was going to pull pull this off. I know Will did. I know Will did. Will Will, Will stayed in that camp, but I mean, there, there was just nothing that show you know really. I think showed us that this was what was going to happen. Well, it, it was the scheme matchup that was accompanied with the talent. And I thought that the scheme and the talent matchup 
was going to be really difficult for BYU. Just the, the speed overall was going to be extremely difficult for BYU. So and I put a lot of time into the evaluation on it. It's just I didn't expect BYU to come out and really go to um, some form run and go to some form offense. And I didn't expect them to do what they were able to do where they dropped eight and, and really USC couldn't run. And, and I didn't expect Kyrus Tonga and Lorenzo Faltea to be able to dominate a center and basically control an interior as a single ind- individual. I, I haven't seen that type of control on a Pac-12 team since like Vita Vea from Washington when he could just absolutely dominate the middle. Um, and, and that's going to be great for Utah as they get ready this week for USC because they can look at that and they can say, oh, well, they've got a center that's extremely vulnerable to a man press, like just a, a heavy bull rush. Now, Falte got his sack off of the swim, but he had set it up after multiple bowls, and this poor center was leaning forward like a like a maniac, and, and he got swam, and Falte was in the backfield and got a big sack. Like They just destroyed him, and I didn't see it coming, and I'm in awe, and it was a great game plan defensively. I want to circle back to Kyrus Tonga a little bit. I think uh, I think that young man made himself a, mo- a little bit of money yesterday. That was is an incredible performance. Get that man a horse. <laughs> I was I was trying hard not to make a horse joke. Lloyd. Sorry. <laughs> he ended up with four tackles. Uh, he had a tackle for a loss. He had a sack. Um, he had two quarterback pass deflections, and, and I want to talk about that. One thing that I did talk about throughout the week was shutting down windows. And I, and I said, you got to be conservative in the rush, and you actually want a zone rush. You want to rush your defenders to a passing window. So you rush your ends into the flats and the quick curl passing windows, and you put your, your nose tackles, or if you're running a fort, uh, a fort down, you take your two, three, three techniques, and you rush them to a certain point, and then you coach them to put their hands up. These guys were coached and well ready to get their hands up into an under two count throw, which an under two count throw, just in a quick explanation is quarterback takes the snap, sits in the pocket. And before you can count to two, one, two, ball's got to be gone. And that's, it's hard. You can't get to that quarterback at that time. So you coach your guys to get to those zones and put their hands up. And that was causing fits. And Kairos Tonga, was causing fits in the pass game. And then you take a look at the run game, and he was running the center back into Malapai, back into Carr, and, and back into that USC backfield. And it was just disrupting. It was disrupting polls. It was disrupting timing. And you're right, Scotty. He, you know, if, if any NFL scout that goes look at that, looks at that, it's going to be like, whoa. That, it was awesome. We had uh, former BYU offensive tackle and former New England Patriot offensive tackle Jason Anderson stopped by after the game. He did a great job breaking that center failure down for USC and what was going on with BYU in the middle. And he said, it's really simple. You know, you've got a two-foot split. You've got guards on either side of that center. And they just matched up against a nose tackle. They didn't expect that type of motor, that type of explosion. And there were times where the double team would come and guards would hit at the right time. But for the most part, they were leaving that center on an island, and you just can't do that. And he, he was abused. And, yeah, I do think Tonga made some money. 
So BYU gets the W and uh, now sits at two and one on the season. At worst, they're going to go through this stretch at two and two on the season uh, that we all thought there was a chance they could go zero and four. Uh, and so now, Lloyd, you look at it and you say, okay, do you adjust your expectations on this team? We, you know, there's a lot of us, Adam, it is a six, seven win team. Are we now at a point where we look at this team as perhaps an eight or nine win team? No, oh, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, you have to adjust your, your expectations for them. I mean, you see, look at them possibly go in, you know, two and two now. And, um, heck, I mean, if it's, if it's three and one, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm just waiting for that contract to come over from from Tom Homo because I think I think uh, Kalani earned it in that game in that game alone, um, and in that entire staff. Um, I mean, BYU fans should be ecstatic right now with with how good how how good this this team is you know is looking. Um, I will say, and, and I'm curious on, on your thoughts on this, Hans. Do you, do you, do you guys think uh, Tyson got the uh, ran the ball enough? Yeah, I do. I think it was right in that pocket. Nineteen carries. You, you did have uh, overtime where you probably had a few carries, but he had nineteen carries in this game, and it's that's pretty darn close. He averaged five point two yards per carry. Got himself a hundred yards. Uh, he was also came out of backfield on a huge reception off the left side for a big eighteen or twenty yard gain, and. I think that that's the right amount of touches, and I think that it was pretty correct usage. I, I wouldn't have been, you know, what? I wouldn't have been broken hard. There was a stretch in the middle of the second quarter or the beginning of the third. I can't remember which it was yet, where Tyson had hit like two or three big runs, and then BYU went to pocket a couple times. I think two or three consecutive five-step pocket passes that broke down and ended up having to punt. I, that that moment was kind of disappointing for me, but they shook that off and went right back to Tyson the following offensive series. So there were little little pockets that I could have been like, no, you've got to run Tyson here because they had not stopped him. But they went right back to it. So I was really happy, for the most part, happy with, with the way they used Tyson. Well, it and- was awesome seeing how cool that, that, uh, that locker room that was in there dancing and I mean, the guys were just loose. Uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun seeing them. That looked like a, a group of guys that had been through, that had been through a lot over the last couple of years, and 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 now they're starting to, you know, some of that stuff starting to pay off. Well, you know, and the other thing too, you're right, and the, the emotions are high, and you've got back to back weeks where Kalani. Like the, the guy came in with the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, no contract extension. Um, realizing that he was probably playing the most difficult schedule in BYU football history and had to find a way to get results, or chances are he was going to be looking for a new job and this staff was going to be looking for a new job. We all we all saw the situation this coaching staff was in, and I know, look, we still have nine more games left on the season, but I think there's th- those emotions are running high for multiple reasons. Number one, you want to win, and number two, it's, it's like, yeah, you know what? You didn't really believe in us at a high level. Well, guess what? We just found a way to get it done. So, you know, if I'm if I'm Kalani, and this isn't Kalani, but but uh, because he's not petty and vindictive, but if if Tom Homo were to call up and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's uh, have your agent call me and let's let's start working something," 
And uh, if I'm Kalani, I'd be like, you know what? You're. I, let's go back to what you said at the be- you know during the summer. Let's wait until after the year. Let's let's go ahead and wait on that a little bit uh, because look, uh, the way this team's playing right now, who knows how good this team could be? And uh, and I, I love the fact that uh, the Kalani's got this team responding and, and certainly playing well. Hey, Hans, I want to go back a little bit on some X's and O's a little bit on what, you know, USC just marches right down the field. They score the touchdown, and then BYU kind of goes with that three-man rush, dropping everybody back and really trying to confuse that quarterback. And, look, he throws two really bad interceptions early in the game, and then they kind of adjust what they did offensively and really try to take the ball out of his hands in the – and and then when he had to go back to the middle of the field, he throws the game-ending interception. What did BYU try to do to rattle him up a little bit? Well, there's a couple things. Um, number one, I was sitting uh, – I actually watched the game from JCW's. Will Snowden headed over to the, the stadium, but I, I always get a better view when I can see some replays and always feel like I can give a better post-game call when I – uh, and a lot of times I get pulled into conversations and, and so I miss areas. So I stayed at JCW's and watched it on the big screen. And I'm sitting there next to Alex, the tech that would put things together. And that first drive goes down the field. And I watched this young quarterback for USC Slovis. I watched him feed it through windows that were just a little bit too tight, a little bit too small. And I turned to Alex and I said, there will be an interception today. I guarantee it. There's going to be an interception today. This kid's getting too confident trying to force it through these little gaps. And lo and behold, the next offensive possession, you see him try to force it through a gap. And you see a BYU defender. And, and I'm trying to remember if it was, because there were, there were three picks. Guanaloco had the last pick. I think it was Peyton Wilgar that jumped that ball it was it was to the slot and you see him kind of stretch out and he closed the window because when they were showing the replays on that first drive scotty you could see that guys were right there windows were closed but he was throwing really really good passes and putting it through those areas and BYU's backfield just continued to shrink those windows and then one comes to, to Wilgar, and then you get one to Kafusi a few, uh, I think it was two or three possessions later. And then you had two or three missed interceptions off of tipped balls, whether they were tipped by the defense or tipped by the offense first, I don't remember, but they were bobbled around and really both two of them could have 100% ended up in picks if a guy just secured it. But it ended up getting him because that was the situation for Dan Guadaloco when he came up with that pick to seal it in overtime. They did a, a, a fantastic job of getting to the exact zoned area inside of the route trees off the twin sets and then the trip set. When I did, uh, when I did the like my Twitter breakdown, I think it was whatever it was Tuesday of USC and in Stanford. I showed everybody the offensive sets, and based off those offensive sets, we knew everything that route tree-wise that they wanted to run was basically inside a 15-yard range. Very few things went outside the 15-yard range. You know, the one pass I think that they hit deep was a wheel route, and it was off of a tight end lined up as an H-back. 
USC had a tight end that, that ran a deep wheel route and ended up on a 60-yard catch. Uh, it was Cronin Hook ended up for a 60-yard catch, and he just rolled off. And that was one of the few um, passes that they allowed to develop. Everything else was kind of crushed out by a three-man rush or was it was a called quick throw. But they just did a really good job of sitting in those zoned areas and using some of these longer outside linebackers that could jump into these zoned areas and guys just played lights out. So, Hans, what are your expectations? I asked Lloyd this. What are, you, what are your expectations for the remainder of the season? Uh, or do we need to alter those from your perspective? Well, I think that this Washington game is going to be another great test, and, and it's going to be fun to see Coach Peterson come in here. And I think that BYU is a very good team. And I think that their young quarterback is growing in himself and finding great confidence. And I think that they've got a run game that they haven't completely utilized or completely uncovered. I actually think that there's more ability to power and control clock. It was nice to see BYU have more time of possession in this game last night. Um, so I think that they can continue to max things out offensively. I don't think we've seen the peak. This was a great game offensively, and I was impressed, but I still think that there's more that they can give and that they can bring. Wow. Defense, defensively, they've got to stay healthy. Uh, right now, you've got Kavika Fanua at middle linebacker, and he had 13 tackles last night, Scotty. And he had a pass deflection, and he had a quarterback hurry, and I saw a lot of things from Kavika Fanua that I – absolutely loved but behind him I, I don't know yeah you know it's this it's the same where you've got Kairos Tonga and Tafea that can play the five techniques you know you start to worry Da who's been playing on the outside that's just not a deep group defensively you've already had some issues with safeties and corners and injuries and, and other problems and they've got a, a solid formula but this is going to have these guys going to have to stay healthy and that's a long road because it's just not a really deep team. Well, and we saw uh, my, expect, my oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. My expectations my expectations kind of sit where they did um oh. going into the season. I expect 7 wins, 8 wins would be amazing, 9 wins would be absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, it's not right now I don't think we're too far off track, Scotty and Lloyd, where where we all kind of thought that they would be. Are, are we? Um, no, no I, I don't think so. Um, go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. We're only about a one game off. I mean, I had, I had them going one and three in this stretch and they still may end up, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, coming out of this, coming out of this, not as good as we had maybe previously thought, but, but also I look at it from a standpoint of, of, uh, what do you expect going forward because, you know, I'm just trying to pull up last year's schedule here real quick. You know, BYU got off to a great start last year. You know, they beat Arizona. They beat um, – um, they end up getting the win against uh, Wisconsin on the road. And we're thinking, all right, here we go. Um, you know, BYU's off to the races, and then it, it kind of comes back down to earth a little bit. So, I, I mean, I think that's something that you have to consider somewhat 
when you look at, uh, let's see, yeah, they beat Arizona, they lose to Cal, they beat Wisconsin, they beat McNeese State. So they start that season off last year at, you know, at three and one. And we're like, all right, here we go. But then it was the Washington game where they kind of came back down to earth a little bit. And so I look at it the same game, you know, the same game this year. Washington, after a big win, after a nice start, if you go out and you play well against Washington, then I think, and let's say they get a win against Washington, then I think we have to take a long, hard look at expectations. Uh, if they lose to Washington, and and let's say Washington comes in and handles them like they did last year, then maybe the season's pretty much what we thought it was going to be. Uh, up until the three Mountain West Conference teams. Yeah, exactly. You know, those three Mountain West Conference teams with USU, Boise State, and San Diego State, those will be tail signs. And right now I'm feeling more confident about those games than I did Boise State and Utah State last year. I, I feel like BYU can hang in those games better. You know, I, I still see Utah State being able to score quite a few points. I still see Boise State being uh, a headache, a major headache. But at least I feel like this BYU team can compete in those games. Yeah. They need to, BYU just needs, they, they cannot have one of those, uh, um, one of those losses where you're like, wait, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, like a loss uh, of Liberty or UMass or, you know, what? Toledo. They cannot have, the, the, Toledo. They can't have one of those where like, wait, what? What just happened? You, you know, they, I mean, so, so maybe they lose to Washington, but as long as they have, you know, they have a good showing, you know, but if they get, I mean, if they get, if they get absolutely slammed by by Washington, because I don't think I don't think Washington, I don't think they're that, I don't think they're that great. I mean, I think they're all right, you know, but I just I don't think they're you know, they're definitely not that definitely not that same team they were yeah. they were last year. I mean, they smacked Hawaii um, they smacked Hawaii around pretty good yesterday after Hawaii right. had, had a couple games. Um, right I, for me and and hands, I don't know, maybe this is just media guys who haven't played college football at this level. Maybe this is just something that we envision and it's not necessarily true, but I worry a little bit about an emotional hangover after such crazy games against Tennessee and USC. You carry that momentum or is there a bit of a lag because you've laid out so much on the line over the last two games? Can you keep it going for another game against another high-level opponent? Well, the did you feel that with the high emotional win on the road and double overtime against Tennessee in Neyland Stadium carrying over to USC? Did you did you feel like that would be an emotional letdown coming back to Edwards Stadium? Uh, I, or, I, I was a little concerned about that, yeah. Um, and so maybe maybe that's a little ill-founded, but uh, I just, I don't know. Like I Everything has just been so high-level emotion that you're like, can you carry that? throughout the course of the season or you can you just carry that week to week to week and and maybe you can maybe maybe you can and and they'll play well and and compete every second with Washington I could just see you know eventually running out of gas a little bit as far as that goes and uh and not having a particularly great game could and I think sometimes the gas and the excitement and all of that comes down to the preparations that the coaches put in and the way they get these kids uh, refocused, uh, coached up, put new scheme, game plan for the week. What's impressive, guys, is just looking at the shift of style going from Tennessee to USC and looking at the time 
that they had to put in this game plan and then looking at the level of quality play inside the game plan. Now, basically, eight dropped and really unique defense trying to defend against this USC run and shoot. Basically, dropping the RPO because USC wants to run cover one and they understand exactly what we talked about in the week of preparation. You can't run RPOs into cover one against USC because you've got guys that can pretty much stick and seal on these wide receivers, the BYU wide receiver. And they came out with an organized game plan, a game calling game plan. And so I look at what the coaches did from week two against Tennessee to week three against USC overcame the the double overtime, overcame this game plan, overcame a a lot of things to get ready and take USC into overtime and then get the win in overtime. So that is a lot of emotion for two weeks. I I think the key is this coaching staff getting the right game plan put together for Washington, feeding off that emotion and trying to keep these guys with their heads up, keep them focused, and keep them as excited. Because... If, it was, if they were going to Washington, you know, if, they, if this was a, a road trip to Seattle, yeah, probably more more, more difficult. But I've, I've got a certain level of optimism. I'm kind of with Lloyd. I feel like BYU is going to stick in this thing with Washington. Yeah. And Real quick, kind, of, kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Oh, no, no, and, no. And, and, I, and I do think they've got a chance. Oh, to, I, to Scotty's point about the, uh, about the, the emotional, wonder if there's going to be, you know, too much emotions in these in these two overtime games. I mean, a good example of that was back in 2015, where remember when we went to Nebraska and watched that game, and it was so many emotions in that Nebraska game. Then they have another big, you know, a big nice last second win or whatever. Hell Mary win against against Boise State, and then they had you know a nail biter where they just barely lose to UCLA, number ten UCLA. And then what happened? You know, after you think of all the emotions in those three games that they had. And then what did they do against Michigan? They get, you know, curb stomp 31-0. Like, I think that's an example of, I think, of what you're talking about. Scott. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it could happen. I I, I don't think it's going to happen. But that's what, I mean, that's kind of like, the you know, the emotional letdown you could have. I just Coach got a guard again. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. But, you know, to your point, Hans, I think this coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for uh, changing a game plan from week to week to week as dramatically as they did. And I... I and again, I don't know if I'm right. I, look, I could definitely, and I hope I'm wrong too. I hope they keep it rolling. I just worry about, man, I mean, this team has laid it on the line and has played so well and has had to overcome so much adversity the first two weeks. Can they keep it going? Uh, and and look, I, I think they're certainly more than capable, and I think we'll have a great game in Provo coming up next week. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit, Lloyd. I know you were up at the uh, Utah-Idaho State game. We don't need to spend a ton of time talking about that, but... I guess the the question is, we've seen USC, now Utah gets USC in the Coliseum coming up next week. I guess the question is now, what does Utah take away from BYU in their preparation for the the Trojans coming up this week? Yeah, I I think uh, judging, so I watched, I mean, that game was, that game was, it was just one half of the game. That's all that that, that Idaho State game was. Uh, It was, I mean, they've had 24 points, I think, by halftime. And and then they were already bringing out, you know, uh, Drew Lisk, um, you know, and and I think what they're going to 
I think you, I, you know, I actually, I think Utah is going to get USC at, at finally um, at the Coliseum. I think they're going to, they're going to, I think it'll be, I just, I, I just think defensively, I think they're too big. I think what they can, what Utah can pull from BYU is what they did defensively, you know, you know, to, we're, we're able to do to, to, um, to that freshman QB. Um, I think they'll be able to, they should be able to do whatever they want with that QB. I don't think he's going to, I think you're going to see something, some similar where, I mean, that guy probably throws two or three interceptions. I mean, don't you, don't you hands? Don't you see Utah's defense be able to have their way with them? Yeah, I do. I think that they'll probably run a very similar format to what BYU did where they're dropping eight. You know, I was just looking at this, and you guys know I count pass deflections as sacks. And if you count pass deflections as sacks for BYU, they had seven sacks. And I think that Utah can do a very similar thing shut down lanes. I think USC is going to have to get more creative. I'm wondering how base USC was just thinking, well, we'll just swing it to our playmakers and they'll run and make plays. They're probably going to have to look at Utah. And then I don't know what's happening with the coaching staff. You know, I, I don't know until you organize a new athletic director, are we going to see a hire and fire for Helton? And, how is he feeling and what can he get done in a week's preparation? But Lloyd, if they try the same offense that they did against BYU, then Utah will have probably two. I'd have Scotty probably set the over under somewhere at two and a half interceptions. And I might take the over at three, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they might grab three picks against this USC team. If they tried similar sets and formats on the offensive side. I think you'll see Does this a, team fight harder against against uh, against Utah because they know that their coach is about to lose his job. You know the guys that are you know you you know that whole thing where a player you know when they know their their guy their coach is about to lose his job. Sometimes you know they they're able to to play an unbelievable game after something you know after a loss. I think they play harder because their season's on the line a little bit. Uh, and I and I do think that there's probably some of that going on, but I I would be I, I don't think Utah runs them out of the building. I think Utah wins. Right. I think you'll see a much better performance from USC. And look, this is still a pretty good coaching staff. I mean, you've got Graham Harrell, who is a really smart offensive coach. Uh, they'll make the adjustments they need to adjust. I mean, look, the freshman got exposed, um, and they'll adjust. They still have good wide receivers. They still have. Uh, a couple of decent running backs. Like, they'll be better offensively, I think, against Utah. Uh, but I still think Utah wins that game. And I think that Clay Helton, if uh, I think Clay Helton's pretty much done at this point. And, and I think it'll be funny that next, you know, this summer, you know, we'll talk about how Utah and BYU may have paved the way for Urban Meyer to be the next head coach at USC. Well, that'd be something. Oh man, that's a tough. This is really a tough one. Um, I think it'll come down to. I wish I knew the attitudes of guys like Pittman and guys like Bonds and guys on the offensive side of the ball. You know, are, are they going to start? How did they handle the freshman on the bus? How did they handle the center yeah. that got abused? That's a good point. You know, did they did they did they shame them? Did they lift them up and say, hey, we're going to do this next week? Did they say, man, I should have transferred when I had the chance? I knew that this was a mess. Did they, are they coming together? You know, Malapai got knocked around. He got 
injured for he was out for a time against BYU and Carr, the other running back, didn't have the best game. Are they putting their heads down? Are they blaming the offensive line? A lot of it's going to be how these, you know, I'm throwing air quotes in the air right now, how these stars handled the bus ride and the plane, the, the plane flight home and how they handled the locker room this morning and how they handle a film session on Monday morning. Yep. You know, typically Sunday you come in, uh, you, you get some stretch, you get your treatment, you get a little bit of a, a, of a sweat worked up. And then Monday you come in for a really deep team film session. And then you have individual breakouts where you go out with your position groups. And how did those guys handle this? Because it feels like they're kind of losing each other. If they're losing each other, then Utah is going to beat them handily. Yeah. Yep. They'll beat them handily. Uh, in, in the end, it's still it's a top ten team that's coming that's going to be coming in there. They're going to. I, I got to imagine they're going to be amped. They're going to be amped. I mean, to 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 be taking on a, like a top ten team. I can't imagine they you know they they roll over and just you know and 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 give up. I, I think you know part of me is thinking you know the defense will have their way you know with that with that young young team. I don't know. They, they, I gotta imagine they're probably they're probably gonna get a pretty good fight from 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 USC. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't think they're ready to fold it up yet. But I will say this: I don't know who's on USC schedule after Utah. But if Utah goes down there and puts it on them, then I think it's I think USC's done at that point. I think then right. then you get to that point, hands where you talk about where this team's like, oh man, what have we done? We're done. We're toast. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, great podcast as always. We'll kick things off tomorrow. Uh, show begins at noon. Hans will have his film study uh, coming up throughout the rest of the weekend. Um, and uh, what do you think? Probably tomorrow morning you'll see some of those videos pop up, Hans. Not to put you on the spot here. I apologize. but Yeah, I'm actually going to work on them. I, I might even try to work on them a little bit later this evening. Uh, I'd imagine by 1030 or 11, those things will start popping up and yeah, it's going to be a pretty extensive film review because I, right out of the gate, though, I'll tell you guys, there there were some offensive adjustments. Yeah. And I'm talking from the play calling standpoint with, I, I don't know how many RPOs, but I'll have it. I'll, uh, I'll put the numbers together. Those will start popping up around 11 o'clock. And remember, what should be a fun week coming up, BYU preview show on Wednesday, Utah preview show on Thursday, and Boy, Friday can't get here soon enough because Alema Harrington is going to want to run his mouth a little bit. Alema is going to want a job bit. So be ready on Friday because he's going to come hard at Ron McBride. That's not that's going to be fun. <laughs> Coach Mack promised us. I, I made him promise on Friday. I remember I said, hey, if BYU does win, you've got to be here, right, Coach? And he said, oh, I'll come. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here. As long as, as long as the check's clear, Mac will always show up. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. There, there's another edition of the uh, podcast, the Morning After podcast, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.